God, I pray that during our time this morning, you'll calm our, our minds. You'll open our hearts. God, it's our deepest desire that we'll learn more about who you are. God, thank you for being a God that loves us, that has given everything for us. God, I pray that that deeply affects every single one of us in this place today. We won't forget how much you love us. I pray that we can see your face and we we can learn more about who you are today. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, kiddos, you can go ahead and run on upstairs. Have fun up there. I think it's Mr. Jason teaching today. You're in trouble. Hey, just wave through the window if you need help and we'll come up, okay? White flag is still up there, man. You're, you're okay. I love all the kids here, don't you? I love all the running around and getting crazy. I don't know how many of you grew up in church. Uh, I grew up in church, and we had the coolest church building. It was awesome. It was perfect for, like, tag and hide-and-seek in the dark and all sorts of cool stuff. So hopefully they're having just as much fun crawling around through the chairs. And they're, they're the ones that are coming up behind us. So I hope they really enjoy church. I hope God is grabbing their hearts, and I already know they are. Um, so, guys, thank you. Continue to pray for the kids at, at Church Project. Um, that God will mold them at a young age. So I don't know why I started talking about our kids, but I love them. <laughs> My kids are 14 and 12 now. They're getting old. Yeah, so am I. It's true. It's true. I'm getting old. Yeah, me. My wife's not old. I am. Come on, Chad. Hey, welcome to Church Project. This is how we're going to start today. Is that okay? Sure. We're going to be a little casual today, um, like, like always. But I, uh, if you're a first-time guest here, it's very important to have a Bible in front of you. There's Bibles underneath the chair uh, kind of close to you. There's some on, on the side. Uh, you can grab one of those if you want or just raise your hand and Jared will bring you a Bible. Uh, we've been walking through the book of Luke. There's 66 books in the Bible. I think I got my math right. 66 books in the Bible. We're going through one of them. There's no way we're going to be able to go through all of these. I mean, there's just no way. Uh, this has taken us over a year already to keep walking through Luke, but I'm in no hurry. Are you? Um, as we've started Church Project, we think one of the best things that we can do is, is actually look at a book in the Bible that talks a lot about who Jesus is. Because as a church, we want to form ourselves to be more like Jesus. We want to learn uh, who Jesus is. And we look at Luke. Luke was a physician. He wrote with, um, with great detail. He crossed all his T's, dotted all his I's, and, and he made it a very serious point to explain to us who Jesus is and how he walked the earth. So I want to pattern my life after Jesus. How about you? And as a church, I hope we can pattern our life after Jesus and be more like him. Uh, today, we're in another just feel-good section. Uh, open your, your Bibles up to Luke chapter 12. We're going to be looking at 10 verses today. 49 through 59, and I can't take any more. That's it. Like, we're just looking at 10 verses today. Um, and Because I, I got to tell you, Jesus, right now at this stage, is just getting ready. He's, he's going to Jerusalem. Like, he's starting to, end the near, he's starting to near the end of his ministry, and he knows that he's going to die on a cross. And this passion is growing in him. And you can tell, if you've looked at the passage before and the passage after of this section, Jesus is getting, um, he's getting, Right to the point. He knows that his time is, is coming 
up soon. He knows that he has a powerful message and that he is salvation for people. He is the Messiah. And he's looking around and he's, he's not being polite about this. He's passionate. This message right here, I thought about asking someone else to give because I feel like the last couple of weeks have been hard messages to give. You don't leave thinking, man, I'm awesome. You leave thinking, wow, <laughs> this is another one of those. This is a kicktail message. But I believe that if God is working in your heart and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is teaching you right now, you will leave encouraged, even hearing stuff like what we're about to go through. So open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read verses 49 through 59. I'm reading it out of the NIV today. Verse 49. I have come. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. That baptism, by the way, is the cross. He's talking about himself going to the cross and dying and, this, and, and, and resurrecting from the dead, raising from the dead. That's his baptism he's referring to. And so he says, but I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint, maybe one of your versions says, distress or heavy burden. Wow, think about that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to the cross. And what constraint, distress, heavy burden I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. Verse 52. From now on, there will be five and one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on your way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. Wow, that's what we're going to look at today. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that we can hear your word in this. Pray that you show us some amazing things about yourself. And church, would you pray for me today that I, that I would articulate what God is showing us? And God, we give you this time together. It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's, let's jump into here. Uh, right at verse 49 through 51, this little section right here is such a powerful section. Um, you read it and you, hear, you come across things where it says, do you think that I have come um, for peace? No. I've come to bring division, fire. Like, this is why I've come. If you've grown up in church, though, this, is, this, this may be something that you're struggling with a little bit. Remember, because you had the flannel things, and you had the lion and the lamb, and they would sit down. You put them on there, and you know, make them kiss or whatever, you know. <laughs> Jesus, all cute, soft hands, you know. I mean, we see the pictures of Jesus that look nothing like a Jewish carpenter. Like, you, you know, we've grown up, and, and part of what I've been shown and taught about Jesus is he's just, hey, peace. You know, I've come to bring peace. 
And Jesus is sitting here and he's saying, you think I came to bring peace? Far from that. Far from that. I didn't, I didn't come to, does this change the way that you think of Jesus? For some of us, this is changing the way that we think of Jesus. Like we're, we're going, really? Jesus is continually, at this point, especially in his ministry, Jesus is continually re-clarifying why he came. People are thinking, oh, I know why you came. And he's going, no, didn't come for that. This is why I came. You thought I came for peace. No, I'm coming for this. Like, he's continually re-clarifying why he's coming. We hear, live with peace among you. We read that in the Bible and we think, okay, I, I got that. But Jesus is here and he's saying, I've come to bring fire and division. And Jesus is at this point, he knows. He only has about three and a half years in his ministry. About three and a half years. And as he's in this city and he's talking to these people, this may be the very last time that he's able to talk to these people in this city. He knows that he's going and he's going to go die on the cross and he gets right to the point. He says, I don't have time to mess around. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. I came for passion. This is why I'm here. It, may, it reminds me of what Paul told Timothy in Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 4.10. He says, this is why we labor and strive. Because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Like, why do we labor? Why do we strive? Why do we put so much time into this gospel message? Why? Because it's worth it. Some people will accept it. Some people will not. And Jesus knows this. He's in this city and he's living with passion. This time, this, this ancient time in this setting, the original hearers of this, this is what they're thinking, right? They're looking for someone to set them free almost in just the physical state. Like the, the, the world that they're living in is, is not necessarily very comfortable for them. Especially Christians, especially the Jews at this time. They're looking around and they're saying, this is Yeshua, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah. He's the one that's come to, to set us free. He's, come the one to, to, he's, come, he's the one that's come to save us, to set us free from all this physical stuff that's happening. And just to kind of set the time a little bit, what's happening right now is tension is building. Tension between Rome and the, and the political parties that's building right now to the point where even just a few years later, 30 some years later in 67 AD, the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed under Nero. This is tension. You think this is a good time for Christians to be living? And the tension is building more and more. And after the temple is destroyed in Jerusalem, the Jews are, are, are set out. It's called the di- diaspora. They're set out. They go into the wilderness because they can't be in Jerusalem anymore. Roman oppression is so thick. Nero himself is there. He's killing Christians. He's setting them on fire and, and, as human torches. He's boiling them. Like this is what it means to be a Christian and especially Jew at this time, right? It's building. And so when Jesus is talking, people are going, he's the Messiah. He's the one that's going to set us free from all this physical torture, all this stuff that's happening, and they're starting to rally. That's why there's masses around him, because people are saying, he's the one that's going to set us free. See, the problem is, Jesus is asking, do you think I'm that guy? Like that guy that's actually going to set you, set you free physically? Partly, but no. No. 
I'm here for the eternal stuff. I've come to bring division in this world. I've come to speak truth. Our finite minds, we, we're thinking faulty. We're thinking here in the flesh. We're thinking here right now. Like, God, you've come to make me comfortable today. Do any of us fall into this? I mean, we're not, we're not at the point where we're scared of getting, you know, torched or put in boiling water because that's just America. It may get there someday, maybe. We're nowhere near that now. But we look at Jesus the same way. They're saying, set us free from this stuff. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm here for eternal stuff. And we do the same thing. Every day we go to Jesus and we say, God, we're here and we want to be comfortable. And we look to you to make us comfortable. And are you and I looking for peace here on earth? Are we looking for peace here at the cost of eternal value? (laughs) What are we looking for? You and I, when we look at Jesus, the Messiah, as we sing these songs, uh, the band, the worship team, thank you. I mean, that was incredible. I loved worshiping this morning. I mean, it was, it was powerful. I almost said, we're done. Let's go. Maybe we should have, but I didn't. Why, though? Why do we sing these songs? What do they mean? They mean something deep. Sometimes we we keep it on just the surface level. We think of the world around us like today. We think of maybe tomorrow. We think of the things that are just on the surface. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I've come for that. I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to rebuild that. But I've come for an eternal value. Something that you can't even fathom. We live our lives for peace in this world. And most of us never, ever, ever talk about Jesus Christ to others. You think I can say that, honestly? Think about the last time that you literally had a conversation with someone, anyone, about Jesus. If that's convicting, then let it be convicting. If we're here for today, then forget about talking about Jesus. If we have a passion and a message inside us that's changed us, man, we should be looking for ways to interject Jesus into every conversation that we have. When our focus is on him and what he's done for us, there's a passion that builds in us. Jesus knew at this time, I've got three and a half years and I've got to get it all out. I've got to put it right here. If we knew that today was the last day on earth, how would you live today? Hopefully you would take me out to eat. No, hopefully you wouldn't spend time with me. This world is temporary, but yet we live like it's going to be forever. Let's put it this way. If you knew of a legal way, I'll say legal way, (laughs) to pay off your house in 30 days, would you do it? Like, yeah, absolutely. Totally. And would you teach me how to do it? I hope so. I hope you would. Like, you would have the secret. Let's put it in another way. This is a a, a little better way. If you had a cure for cancer, say I have a friend, his wife is in Houston right now. She's been going through radiation treatments for the last month. If I had a cure for cancer, what would I do? Anything. Lauren and I know three kids right now that are under five that have cancer. I don't understand that. Do you? If I had a cure for that, where do you think I would stop at getting it out? Where would you stop? If you had a cure for cancer, I bet you would invest invest every dime, every second you had to get it out to as many people as possible. Especially when you go down to the little kids section, you see these kids with cancer. 
right? You would live with passion. And that's just physical stuff. We're talking spiritual stuff. We're talking God has changed our lives. Eternity. And yet we walk around worried about our Starbucks coffee. Which isn't that good, by the way. (laughs) Guys, this is a hard message for me to give. It hits me. It hits me hard. Because I think about how many opportunities I miss to tell people the love of God. Why? Why do I do that? Let's share this gospel at the expense of peace. Jesus is saying, you think I've come to bring peace? Oh, no. It's far from that. Like, this love will bring peace. But what I've come is I've, I've come for a bigger message. Let's, let's share this message at the expense of peace. I mean, let, let, let's do it lovingly. Let's do it kindly and, and, and graciously. Let's tell this gospel. because You know why we do it with love and kindness and gentleness? It's because I hate the lies of Satan, don't you? I look around at people. I look around at neighbors I have. I look around at people that are around me. And Satan is straight up deceiving them. And I hate Satan for that. I hate the lies of Satan and what he's doing. And Jesus loves these people as he's talking. He loves these people more than anything. He has a love for them. But yet me on this side of it, 2014, I don't necessarily follow Romans 1.16 a whole lot. Which says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Why won't I talk to my waitress, my waiter about God? I don't want to look like an idiot. Or why won't I, and I can just ask a lot of questions. Like, how come I am not passionately sharing this message with people? Now, I get it. You don't want to go around beating people up with Jesus and, you know, be the bullhorn guy and being that annoying person. I totally get that. I totally get that. But at the end of the day, when I lay my head down on my pillow, I can almost look at every day of my life where I've missed an opportunity to share this life-changing, cancer-curing message, this love of Jesus Christ. People are being deceived by Satan, and we have the answer. Let's speak this answer. Is Jesus the center focus of our life? Or is the center focus of our life, our schedule, our bank account, our reputation, our comfort, this false peace we think that we have? Like, what's the center of our life? I look back in my life in junior high and high school, and I, and I have a few regrets. Do any of you? <laughs> Oops. But as I look at it now from 39 years young, Chad Harding, I'm not old yet. How old are you? Uh huh. Okay, I look back at junior high and high school right now, and you know one of my biggest, re- sorry, Whew. one of my biggest regrets that that is that I lived a, a pretty innocuous, ineffective life. Like I was a good guy, you know. I didn't drink and smoke and do all those things. I was a good Baptist boy, so I you know followed all the rules, right? But I look back and I just lived a pretty innocuous, ineffective life. And I know this because this stupid Facebook thing that's around right now. I hate Facebook. Why is it around? But thank you. Whatever. Sorry. I'll get off my Facebook platform here. I I know this now because I'll I'll log on to Facebook. And, you know, it's just all these these people that I grew up with from, you know, high school or whatnot. I find them and I haven't had connection with them for, you know, a while now. And I look and I'm sad for a lot of the guys, a lot of the ladies 
the way they're living their life right now. They have no hope. I mean, they're going through stuff that it just breaks my heart. And I think, did I miss a lot of opportunities to show them the love of God in junior high and high school? Like, I've been a Christian for 30 years. But yet I walked around, and what was it? You know, was, was it just I wanted to be at peace with everyone? I wanted to look like the good guy? What, what, what was it? All I know is, years later, their life looks like hell. And they need the love of God. If we were to die today, what regrets would we have? What conversations would we, would we wish we would have had with somebody? Would we have lived a little more bold for Jesus? Jesus is saying, I didn't come for that peace stuff. I came for eternal stuff. The stuff that seriously matters. Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. I will return. I'm not living for the things of this world. And I ask us, church, Ecclesia, how has this truth changed you? As we get together and we read this Bible and we hear his word and his spirit is, t- is, is just growing us. How has this word changed you in your life? Like what decisions have you made this last week that were based on eternal things, not just temporal things? Is this affecting your job? Is this message affecting your job, your relationships, your marriage, how you do raise your kids? Is this affecting every aspect of your life? It should. It should. It should flow into every aspect of who we are. Okay. Let's, let's, let's move down to verse 54. I know I skipped a whole lot in there, but I'm sorry. I, actually, can I point out one thing in verse 50? Verse 50, Jesus says, but I've come to die. I've come to undergo this baptism here. And, and, and what constraint, it so distresses me and it's heavy burden. And, and I'm not, I, I'm under, I, he, what he's saying right here is this, is I don't want to die. Any of you want to die? Jesus is looking at the cross and he's going, oh my gosh, God, I don't want a heavy burden. I don't want to die until Jesus looks at the consequences of the cross. Until he realizes that this is our only way to salvation. Until he sees the power of the cross. Then he says, I will die. I will go to that cross and I will die. It's a heavy burden. It's a heavy stress. But I know the consequences, the positive consequences of the cross. And I will do it. This is a great example of how we should carry the heavy things in our life. Are any of you looking at things in your life that are overwhelming, that seem so heavy and you don't want to walk through them? Look at them as an opportunity as the book of James talks about, as God growing us and maturing us so we can walk through this stuff. Don't look at the burdens of today. Don't look at the crosses that you're carrying today, but look at the consequences. Look at the end result of what God's doing through the things that we're walking through today. That's pretty cool, huh? I had to talk about that because I just love that. Okay, let's go down to verse 54 because 53, of course, daughters are going to fight with people. And fe- I mean, we see this. How many of you have people in your family that know God? How many of you pe- have people in your family that don't know God? Like, this is our earthly family, and I love our blood relationship that we have, but there's a deeper blood relationship, the eternal one with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is a dividing message. And as, as people, we get to make our own choice. Our mothers may not accept Jesus. Our kids may not accept Jesus. We pray for them. We hope they will. But our eternal home is with Jesus. Let's go to verse 54. Um, we'll, we'll look at verse 54 through 56. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately say, it's going to rain. And it does. And 
when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? He's saying, you can predict the weather for the most part. <laughs> Some of your meteorologists do better than the other, but you can, you can predict that weather. You can look at sports teams and know which ones are going to win, unless you're blinded by the Broncos. And Anyways, but... <laughs> You can predict that. Some of us were really good at looking at the stock market and we can predict that, but not the end times. Like this Bible that we're studying right now has been under scrutiny, strict scrutiny for, well, since its conception. It's been around. It's not been proven wrong. Like scholars, the best scholars, scientists, everyone has just been trying to pick this thing apart and it stands. Some of us, we put so much energy into the things that are temporary, and we don't put a lot of energy into the eternal things. Psalms 90, verse 12, Moses is talking, and he says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Don't live like today is forever. What if today was our last day? Jesus is saying, Why are you spending so much time on the stuff that don't matter? When you're doing that, you're living like hypocrites. You know where this gets me as it comes down to me today? You know where this hits me? In my professions, in the things that I know. Like the things that I've studied, the things that what would we look at in our lives? Um, What if we looked at what we're doing as our jobs and our hobbies and spending so much time and getting good at those? What if we did spend just as much time with the things that we do with those as we, what am I trying to say? I'm saying it backwards. What if we spend as much time studying the Bible and scripture and the things of God as we do with our hobbies and our jobs and our professions and those kinds of things? See, I grew up in Colorado. I know how to drive in the snow. Do any of you? Hopefully, if not, get good snow tires and just pray. But especially in Gunnison, we had a lot of snow. And I remember we, we were in a car wreck coming up Monarch. And we were coming up Monarch, and this was, I don't know, a few years ago, a while ago. We're coming up Monarch, and, and I'm great with snow, but I see this truck coming down, and it's sliding sideways. And, and it's, it's far enough ahead where I'm, I'm like, okay, if they're from Colorado, if they know how to drive in snow, they can correct this. I mean, they're starting to slide down the mountain. We're coming up. Um, but then I see the wheels turn the wrong way. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And at that point, I went, it's inevitable that we're going to crash because I'm a moron coming down the mountain. And, and I just remember saying, here we go. Like, I saw the wheels turn the wrong way. And I know so much about driving in snow that I knew that we were going to get in a wreck. Now it was just, how can I minimize this wreck? I'd spent enough time. I knew that just by a turn of a wheel. Another good example is wrestling. I've wrestled for many, many years. Since I was in third grade, um, I wrestled. I have never been really strong. Um, I've just been really kind of quick and technical. And so I would love going to wrestling matches when these big old dudes would come out. Like, they're just full of muscle. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like they could kill me in real life, but this is wrestling. So I'll, I, I will let them try to manhandle me. And I would just be like a, a, a little doll. Throwing me all around. I'm doing all this technical stuff. And later on, I ended up, you know, announcing um, wrestling at, at Western State College. And I've done some announcing here at UNC for the wrestling team. And, and I've wrestled long enough that I can look and I'll be announcing. And I can see a wrestler doing a move. And I'm like, oh. Like, I know what two or three moves away from that. It's going to happen for them. And it's not good. Like, I've spent enough time that I, when I see that hand going to that place or whatever it may be, I'm just like, oh, why did you do that? Oh, my gosh. 
You know, I've studied that. I've spent a lot of time doing that. I know that. I know which moves are good. I know two steps ahead. I know bad moves. You guys have the same thing in your life every day. Like what profession are you professional at? What things do you know? Like you know. I know that if I cook this bread at this much, it's going to do this. Or what? I'm not a cook, so I don't know. Bad illustration. But what areas are we like, yeah, I know some stuff in this. Think about how much time you've spent to get there. Wrestling, I've spent a lot of time to get to there. But yet the things of Christ, it's almost like we got it backwards. We treat the things of Christ like it's a hobby (laughs) or just something that we want to do. It's not. This is not a hobby, a profession. It's who we are. Are we serious about this? Jesus is looking up and saying, you can predict the weather, but the things of value, you're blind. You don't know this. Let's go to verse 57 and 59. Why don't you judge for yourself what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate. And by the way, the magistrate would be Jesus. Try hard to reconcile on your way. Or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, which is God. And the judge will turn you over to the officer, and the officer will throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. I like how it starts in verse 57. It says, judge for yourself what is right. Are you stuck in the things that don't matter, like, like the weather? Or are you living for Jesus Christ? And this, this little parable here at the end, starting at verse 57, is, is just a picture of us. And we're walking along, and just picture us with Jesus. And we're saying, I know I owe, but I can't pay. Like, I, I can't pay this great debt that I owe what can I do and, and Jesus is there and he's saying just trust in me surrender your life to me give control of your life to me and it's going to be okay because then I will present you to God the father and he's going to say I know you and it's going to be good but if you walk through life on your own and you never surrender control of your life to Jesus and you live for yourself One day you die, and you stand before God, and he looks at you and says, away from me, I don't know who you are. That's scary to me. How about for you? I'm so thankful that Jesus takes me to God, and he's covered me with his blood, and he says, this is a child of a king. Because of Jesus And what he did on the cross because of this great baptism that he went through. Dying and and defeating death and and resurrection. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And I thank God every single day because I fail every single day and I've sinned. Anyone else sinned? I've done wrong things in my life. Anyone else? But because of the blood of Jesus, it's like those crimson stains are now as white as snow because of the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us. I look at that and I get so thankful. Because he is the one mediating between myself and God. He is the one that is the difference between life and death. I want to ask you this. Have you surrendered control of your life to Jesus? Do you know who he is? Do you know who God is? Church, what do you think of this passage? These 10 verses right here. 
These are pretty good passages. These are pretty strict, passionate passages, aren't they? How do they play out in our today today though? How, how do they play out today? Like as we get up and as we walk out, how is this going to affect us? Being a church, being church project, being ecclesia, it takes all of us, every single one of us, operating in our skills and our gift. See, do you know what your spiritual gifting is? Do you, do you know what God has called you to do on earth? Are you passionate for that message? Are you being effective in the areas that you go? Are you speaking life anywhere and everywhere that you go? And I want to ask us this question, just as a church, do we want to do this? Do, do we want to speak life to Greeley, Colorado? Do we, church? Do we want to interject hope into despair? Do we want to do it, church? Like, this is the message that God has given us. For a lot of times here, a lot of times, I still pray this prayer. And it's kind of like, uh, um, what's a word when you take, like, power out of it? What, 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 what's a word? Like, a watered down? Someone, who, who's a vocabulary person in here? You take the, take the power out of it. I don't know. I've, t- I've, I've prayed this prayer that's just kind of like a bland, boring, really kind of prayer. And it's been this for us, for Church Project. God, would you please grow us to the point past awkward? Like, just, just past awkward would be awesome. What kind of... <laughs> how embarrassing is that? Like, seriously, that's my prayer. God, just beyond awkward. That, that's cool. I'm good. I'm good with that. Really? No, no way. If you ever, Jeremy, if you ever hear me pray that again, just cut me. Like on the leg. <laughs> Little tiny cut. No, I want to be a part of something that's powerful and mighty and that is effective. I want to be a part of a church that is speaking life into dead places. I want to be a part of a church that's turning around Greeley. Do you? I want to be a part of that. I think that we have got the best group of people right here. Like, seriously, I've been in a lot of churches. I've grown up. I've been this for 30 years. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I've been a part of some great, amazing churches, mega churches, small churches. I would put church project against anyone that I've ever been across. Like, we are a people that care for each other. I don't know how many times I get this. I love this about church project. I love the community, and I love that it's real. Amen. Amen. You're going to know that I fail. You're going to know that I mess up. And if you want a pastor that is not honest, then don't come here anymore. Because I'm going to be honest. We are a people that are real, and I love that about us. On our chairs, we've made it easy. There's a card. When was the last time you handed one of those out? I believe in what we're doing here. I believe in this community. Look around. Do you have people in your life that are lacking community that could go to one of our house churches? House church is the best thing that we do because that's where we get to talk about the scripture. That's where discipleship happens. That's where we can be honest. That's where our needs are met. That's where we're prayed over each other. Like that's the church. Like house churches is the church. Sunday morning, this is good. This is fun. I love coming together. I love the energy of it. I love looking each other in the eyes. I love that, right? But the church, this isn't Sunday morning. The church happens at house church, and it happens every day. Invite your friends that need community to that. Invite them. Grab them there. Easter's coming up. Are you already thinking about who you're going to invite? Like, that's that one time. 
Well, two times of the year, Easter and Christmas. Those are the two times that we can invite people just because that you're supposed to. Like, people won't get embarrassed if you invite them to those. So are you already thinking about who you're going to invite to Easter? What about the marriage retreat that Peter talked about? And by the way, it's going to be really awesome. Jeremy and I have been planning this, and it's going to be really good. So, but what about this marriage retreat? What a great opportunity to interject life into people. Do you know anyone? Do you work with anyone whose their marriages are struggling? I'm around people all the time that their marriages are just, they're hurting. What a great opportunity. Hey, come to this marriage retreat with us. If it's a money issue, let us know. We'll pay your way. Like, we'll get you there. We believe in this message of what God is doing here. Do you believe in it? Are you inviting people to the marriage retreat? What about youth group that meets at Jeremy and and Brittany's house on Tuesday nights? Do you know anyone, single moms, that are frustrated with their kids and need help raising their kids? Do you know anyone who have kids that are just like, they need God in their life? If so, then be passionate. Risk the peace. Risk the peace. Be passionate. Jesus says, I didn't come to be peaceful. No, I've come to be powerful. I've come to bring division. I've come to speak life. And I'm going to do it graciously. And I'm going to do it full of love. And I'm going to do it with passion. And I'm going to be considerate of other people. But I will not surrender eternal messages for the temporary peace of today. Church, are we doing that? May we not do that. God, please wake us up. God, please don't let us be a church that's a country club. I can't even golf. I don't want to be part of a country club. God, please ignite a non-forgetting fire in every single one of us. God, please put us back to that point when we realized that we were full of sin and we were ugly and we needed the Savior. Someone to rescue us. God, please put every single one of us back to that point, that point of passion, and may we live out of that fire and that joy. Wow. I like listening to the kids up there. Do you see a white flag? Church. I say this to me, we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world, we are a child of God, we are part of a true vine, we've been chosen by God, we have a passionate message of hope, may we just not sit on it and think it's just for us, may we speak it, show it, walk it, talk it, and love it. I want to pray for us today. I'm going to ask Jeremy and the team just to come up. And I'd like us to reflect. This is, this is the point that I put, I put so much prayer into this time right now. Because I just spoke words and they're, they're great words. I hope God's used them. But they're just words. I believe in the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. I believe the Holy Spirit can guide us and direct us right now. God is teaching you something right now. And so if you would and you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes. And if, and if you would, just hold your hands up just in submission. Say, God, I want to receive anything that you're showing me in this moment. I receive it. I pray that in this place, God will speak to you. God, we open our hearts and our minds. 
convict us, encourage us, speak to us in this moment. So just now quietly to yourself, ask God to show you who he is. Say, search my heart, God. As we were gathering today, what was God showing you? Like, what was his spirit prompting in you? Maybe it's something specific. Like, Jesus was just, he's looking at the cross and it was overwhelming to him. But yet he saw the end result and so he was, he was ready to do the cross. What, what are you carrying right now that just seems overwhelming in your life? Can you give that over? Just put that in your hands and give it to God. Say, God, here it is. I trust you with the results of this thing, this circumstance, this report from the doctor, this whatever it may be. God, here's my, my total life for you. I trust you with the results of that. Maybe it was the grand message of just this passage in in general that was most speaking to you. It was for me. And that was, Aaron, stop living such a bland life. Have more passion and zeal for Christ. Be bold enough to speak to that person that I know you want me to speak to or show them the love of God or invite them to church or whatever you're asking me to do. God, please ignite in me that fire. If that's you, just ask that. Say, God, give me that fire, that passion, that boldness, not to live for today, but to keep my eyes on you and the things of eternity. And that begins with prayer. So maybe there's even someone in your life right now that you can think of that, man, they just need help. You know that Jesus is the answer. Begin to pray for them right now, just in this place. Lift up their name. Just pray for them. Pray for a window of opportunity to speak to them and that you would take it. Towards the end of the message, in this passage, talks about life, talks about eternity. Have you gone to Jesus and given him your life? Has there ever been a point where you've surrendered control of your life to Jesus? Saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry for living a life apart from you. I've chosen to go my own way. I have sin mounting up. Oh my goodness, I need you. You've just surrendered control of your life to Jesus. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that today. And just where you're at, just say, God, I've lived for myself. I've lived for the temporary things and I'm done. I'm done trying that. God, I give you control of my life. Please use me, teach me, mold me, break me. Do anything you want with my life. Just as like if we had a cure for cancer, we'd be passionate for that. Are we passionate for the things of Jesus? Do we study them? Do we know them? Like we do the weather, sports, everything else.
church, I want to invite us right now, if you would, just stand. Let's continue worshiping God in, the, in this place. There's a couple ways you can do that. If you're here and, and you just feel like, I need prayer, I need to talk to someone, Jared is up here on the front right. He would love to talk with you, to pray with you. Or maybe just stand there if you just want to be standing by somebody. But if you're feeling like you would love prayer, Jared is up here. On your chair is the response card. Maybe you can pick that up. There's a place for a prayer request on the back or what is God showing you or teaching you. Then just write that. And over in the back right is our offering box. You can put that in in the offering box as well. But maybe it's you just standing where you're at, that you're worshiping God through words, through your hands, whatever it may be. Maybe you're just, just sitting there. But hey, here's the moment I pray for the most because this is where I believe you intersect with Jesus. You, you personally, not corporately us, but you. And so I pray that each and every one of us, we are intersecting with God in a real way during this moment. God, thank you for bringing us here. And I pray that not a single person will leave the way that we came in. Like God, we want to be more in love with you today. And we're tired of just praying, just beyond awkward. God, we want to see power. We want to see you move in our lives. Please make our hearts beat madly in love for you. Teach us and show us who you are.